Welcome to Leadership Speaking Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Laura Penn, founder of the Leadership Speaking School. We're based in Switzerland, and we train global leaders how to speak in public. Today's episode is called, It's Time to Disrupt the Status Quo for Public Speaking. I want to pull out the roots today, shake things up, and call out what I feel is an epidemic that is facing us all in communication. I feel that this epidemic is about bad public speaking. Bad for me stands for broken and dysfunctional. When I say it like that, do you feel it? Can you remember the last presentation that you watched? And maybe how you felt underwhelmed watching it? Thinking, hmm, that wasn't very good. Or sitting in an audience and thinking, when is this thing over? Gosh, not another PowerPoint slide right? There is something that is broken about our system and how we speak in front of audiences. And by the way, when I say we, I am talking about Western society. I'm based in Switzerland, as you know, and I'm talking about how people are speaking here in Europe and how people are speaking in North America. That's the we. So let's get into this. I feel that we're stuck in a model of speaking, this bad broken and dysfunctional speaking, that somehow deactivates instead of activates. That is a monologue instead of a dialogue. And that is about the speaker and not as it should be about the audience. This broken and dysfunctional model of speaking, I find, is particularly pronounced at the level of leaders and change makers. These people whose speaking by its very nature should activate, right? Should be a dialogue and absolutely should be about the audience and not about the speaker. In my work over the past 10 years, training global leaders from Fortune 500 companies and international organizations and academic institutions around the world to speak in public, I've encountered Leaders who all too often speak in what I call gray instead of speaking in color. Who move in staccato, rigid like robots, tension squeezing the energy and the connectivity out of them instead of moving in flow. And who embody tense disconnection instead of relaxed authenticity. Does this make sense? Can you relate? Are you perhaps one of these people who is showing up intense disconnection and you wish you knew a way how to relax and breathe and just be the best version of yourself that day, that moment in front of that audience? Or are you watching people who are giving presentations and you see them moving in this staccato style? This directional, pointed, not flowing movement. It doesn't feel loose. It doesn't feel released. And you notice that they're holding their breath when they're speaking and moving. Yeah. It's not hard to think of the last presentation we saw. I mean, nine times out of ten, you're going to see one of these things playing out. I want you really to get into this memory, though. I want you in your mind's eye to remember how the room was set up where the speaker was standing, 
or sitting, if it's old-fashioned, or in a conference room, and how they spoke. Go deeper now and remember how you felt during the presentation. What was your body doing? How were you sitting? Were you sitting with your legs and your arms crossed, like a pretzel? Or were you sitting open, receiving, ready, engaged? What were you thinking about? Were you thinking about the moment, the message? Or were you thinking about maybe what you were going to have for lunch later? Or your to-do list for after work? How did you feel after that presentation? What mood were you in? What were you still thinking about? What was going on in your heart and in your mind? And finally, how do you feel now that you're remembering this last presentation that you witnessed? What's that feeling? What's the mood? Yeah, think about it. I would guess that many of you may be feeling that, you know, the things that you saw were okay, but not great. That the speaker did okay, but, you know, wasn't memorable. That they met your expectations, but secretly they left you feeling unsatisfied somehow. Something was missing. Something didn't touch you. Something didn't connect. Something didn't make meaning. I believe that as audiences, most of us just sit there, politely watching and waiting and wanting more. Longing for movement and laughter and human connection. Yes, when you feel related to something, when you feel involved in something, when you feel inside of something. That's what we want. All of us want to be engaged somehow. But why isn't this happening? Why is the status quo so low when it comes to speaking? Why do I find myself going to huge conferences and seeing speakers who are less than impressive, who do not seem prepared, or at worst, don't even seem connected to what they're talking about, or who spend more time looking at their PowerPoint slides, turning around and facing us with their back, than looking at us, the audience. This is happening so often, folks, and you know what I'm talking about. I know you do. This blah feeling, this feeling of frustration, of, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding, that, you know, this is, this is not okay. This feeling was my own spark to found the Leadership Speaking School in the first place back in 2010. For me, my light bulb moment happened when I was sitting in on one of these conferences of conservation colleagues. You might not know this about me, but I was a conservation biologist before I got involved in this beautiful world of public speaking. And my specialty was the communication of conservation messages. There I was sitting in on this conference of peers watching them deliver horrible, with a capital H, presentations. They were ticking every single box for what not to do when speaking in public. I mean, it, it was all there. They were reading from their slides, which is like presentation 101, never do. They were mumbling, chewing on their words. They weren't coming out clearly. I couldn't hear through some of the accents. Many were speaking too fast, throwing their messages away, and these are important messages, mind you, and on and on and on. I mean, the list just went on forever. And as I was sitting there, numb, holding my breath, feeling just powerless, a thought came into my head. 
I remember hearing myself think, whoa, conservation is a crisis discipline. Wildlife and wild places cannot afford to have the people protecting them fail at public speaking, right? Something, I heard myself say, something has to be done about this and fast because conservation can't wait. In other words, you cannot have people speaking blah, blah about something that's this important, this hot, this urgent, leaving the audience not feeling activated not feeling empowered, not feeling ready, not feeling aligned to their message. No way. In order to secure the funding, in order to get the buy-in of the different stakeholders, in order to protect this, this planet, you need to be getting the speaking right. And the messages too, of course. Fueled by this urgency and motivation, I had to do something about it. It became my life's mission. It was just like, whoa, that woke me up in the middle of the night, like, Clear as day, I knew what I needed to do. I started a club in a major conservation organization in Switzerland. And I called the club. I remember it fondly. I just, this was the light bulb, like middle of the night wake up thing. The club was called Communicating Environment. Using my background in both the performing arts, because I've been dancing and doing theater since I was old enough to, to walk and talk and my extensive background in conservation. I taught my conservation colleagues how to promote, in quotations, conservation through effective public speaking. I wanted to see if this formulation of my performing arts and this conservation background could work. And guess what? It did. It sparkled. It fed a need. And before I knew it, I had my business model. I had clients lining up to learn these techniques, which they hadn't been taught. And I always frown when I still hear people talking about this, but especially back then when I, when I realized that in graduate schools where people are learning these higher sciences and learning these higher principles, they are not learning how to communicate them. And that is such an obvious miss. That is such a blind spot. I just can't even believe it. But nevertheless, they're not. So I created a toolbox from scratch with this background, and the rest is history. So where do we begin? How do we disrupt the status quo for public speaking? How do we go from what I like to say is ew to ah when it comes to speaking in front of audiences? What do you need to do to disrupt what you're doing? Because I'm willing to believe that, okay, you might be a seasoned speaker, but there are probably quite a few things that you are not doing in your speaking repertoire. And how do you disrupt that? How do you do something about that feeling of feeling underwhelmed after you have delivered your presentation thinking, oh, I could have done better. But you don't know what you could have done. You don't know how you could have done it. So here are some golden nuggets that I hope can support you in beginning your own disruption. The first thing is that three things have to go down. The first one of these is that you have to listen to your own intuition about this. What does all this mean? Look, I talk a lot about intuition and gut feeling and what does your body tell you? Because this is the truth. Your body will always tell you the truth. Your gut feeling is there to protect you, keeps you alive. So when you tune in and you're self-aware enough of what your gut is telling you, you need to start listening. You need to listen. If you're standing in front of an audience speaking and your gut is telling you something's not right, 
I'm not happy with the situation. I feel too stiff. The audience isn't connecting. Then that is most likely what is happening. You need to start listening to this reaction that you're having. And you need to, at this point, stop and actually do something about it. Take action. So folks, that's number one. Tuning into this intuition, to the power of the gut, speaking to you and, and just telling you like it is, like, hey, this is not on. It's time to do something. That's step one. Step two is now that you know that something needs to be done, you need to figure out what that stuff is. And I remember back in starting my Toastmasters journey, for those of you who might not know Toastmasters, it's an international speaking club. It's huge. There are hundreds of thousands of members all over the world. And it's an amazing opportunity to practice speaking regularly. And if this is something that you're interested in, where you have a place to go, where other people are there for the same reason as you, to practice public speaking, go to toastmasters.org and look for your nearest club and visit. Visits are free. You get up usually up to two or three visits to Toastmasters clubs without having to join. It's a really great exercise in seeing what people are doing out there and speaking. And again, to give yourself an opportunity to practice regularly. Anyway, I remember in starting my own Toastmasters journey back in, I think it was 2010, that I just kind of, I was kind of messy about it. I didn't quite have focus or direction. And one of the things that I wish I would have known sooner is to get my clarity about what I needed to work on first. So that's what this step is about, getting clarity about what you need to work on first. I want you to write down a list of the things that you are good at in speaking. In fact, that you know that you're reliable about, that you do well. And next to that, make another list of things that you are excellent in. So kind of zone of genius level in public speaking. And when you've done those two lists, now kind of rewind and make a list of the things that you wish you were better at, that you could do things to improve. It's nice to have all these pieces of information in front of you. So you've got three sections, right? Things that you're good at, the things that you're zone of genius in, and the things that you need to be working on. That's just a great reference point. And then at this next step, go ahead and circle the things that were in your list of the things that you wanted to improve, or that you're not that good at, rather. Make a circle around those things that you feel like you want to work on soon and in a priority. That's a good reference for your own thinking about it. But now you're going to take this idea into the field. What this means is I want you to recruit a feedback buddy, somebody at your job, a colleague, somebody that you know and trust that can watch you delivering a presentation or a couple of presentations, and you are asking them to tune in to what it is that you are doing. And you're then going to get their download after they've watched you to hear their point of view. They're going to give you feedback about you as a speaker. And you have to give them guidance about what to look for. Ask them to tune in to what your presence is. This is the first item you want them to look at. In other words, what is your vibration? How do you come off? Are you open and engaging or are you closed and inverted? What is your presence? Have them identify that. The second thing that they should look at is what are you doing with your voice or not? Is there anything that you do vocally that's repetitive? Do you say, um, a lot? And if that is happening, if they identify you doing that, have them count it. 
<laughs> have them be your awe counter as you're giving your presentation. So not only are they giving you that feedback about, you know, what, what you're like as a speaker, but they're also telling you how many ums you had in that 15-minute presentation. By the way, it can be more than ums. It can be other sound fillers like, you know, and sort of. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I'm just, because my mind is so fine-tuned to this, the speaker, the, the guest on the show kept saying, Sort of, sort of. And I, at the end, I, I just had to turn it off because it overtook the message and I stopped listening for the message and became obsessed with listening for the sort ofs. So this is really disruptive work. When you find out what your sound fillers are, or your word fillers, this is a really good start for you to, to become aware of what you're doing with your voice this way. This is the first step to stopping. it. So anyway, just to recap, you are asking your feedback buddy to look at certain things. And the first thing is your presence. The second thing is how you're using your voice or how you're not using your voice. And then the third thing is what you're doing with your body. You are speaking body language after all. And what are you saying? So they're looking at that. Do you have mostly closed body language? Are your arms crossed a lot? Do you clasp your hands regularly in front of your chest? Or are you open? Right? So you're having them look at that. The final and fourth thing that your feedback buddy is looking at is this. They are identifying how you are connecting or not connecting with your audience. They're looking at that. What's your liaison? What is your modus operandi to get connected with your audience? Are you using any tools in your speaking repertoire to do that? Or are they missing? So that is the workload for your feedback buddy. It might sound like a lot. Don't be intimidated. It's really just divided into four categories, presence, voice, body, and audience connection. And they're exploring these pillars for you, and then they're going to feed back what they saw you do in those pillars. And this is step number two, right? So after the awareness of, all right, it's time to do something about this, my intuition tells me so, and making the list about the things that you see yourself good at and things that you need to improve, and having your feedback, buddy, you're on your way. Wow. You're starting to disrupt. This is the groundwork for that disruption. And you know what? This thing about feedback, by the way, I want you to think of feedback like free money. The more you get, the richer you are. This is really important in your growth as a speaker, in your growth to disrupt your status quo in speaking. Feedback. This is what tells you what direction you need to be going in. And be careful to choose people who give you the feedback that is constructive. Because there are people who give you feedback that can create permanent, lasting damage for the rest of your life. Believe me, I've heard stories and it just breaks my heart. I remember one client, he kept crossing his hands and clasping them tightly in front of his chest. And if he wasn't doing that, his hands were tucked away in his pockets. And if he wasn't doing that, they were behind his back. And I thought to myself, wow, this, this person is just closing all the time. What's up? So I called him on and I said, you know, why do you keep closing your body like that? And he says, well, when I was a teenager, one of my teachers told me that I moved my hands too much. So she told me to hide them, to put them away. And at that moment, I disrupted him and said, okay, let me just tell you something. Open is better than closed. And then I went on to sing my gospel about how I do this in my training sessions. It's one of my favorite things to do in my classes. I take the stage and I prime the audience. I say, okay, look, I'm going to go through a series of gestures and I want you to call out adjectives, descriptive words that capture how you feel about what you see. So I start 
by doing a whole bunch of closed gestures. So my legs cross, my arms cross. I do what's called a half hug, which is one arm holding the other one. Different versions of my arms and hands coming together. And I'm hearing words like reserved, uncomfortable, bossy, dominant, aggressive, detached, right? And those words kind of stay in the room. And then I switch gears and I say, okay, now I'm going to do a different set of gestures and I want you to call out adjectives again. And this time I do open gestures. So nothing closes, nothing crosses. And the words that come out when I'm kind of in Jesus position, you know, with my arms sticking out and everything is open, the words that come out from the audience is accessible, friendly, ready, engaged, connected. This is a really powerful exercise that really coins how your closed body language is perceived versus how your open body language is perceived. And then I kind of make a summary statement and say that open is better than closed. And that's what I want you to take away from this. That's an example of somebody who had been told feedback from somebody who didn't quite understand the, 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 the logistics of gestures and body language, but that this person had permanent damage from. So be very careful to choose people who give you feedback that supports you and helps you grow. The third thing, and I hope you're keeping up with all this, I, by the way, am listing three things that you need to disrupt your own speaking habits. And to review, the first thing is you're aware of it on a visceral gut level. The second thing is you've recruited a feedback buddy, and that person's giving you live feedback based on presentations you've given. And now this is the third idea. After checking in with the things that your feedback buddy has told you, choose one of these things. Choose only one. It's an overload to do more than one. And get to work on it. For example, say that your feedback buddy identifies that, hey, you speak too fast. If that touches you or calls you when you hear your feedback buddy say it because you know it's true and you feel hungry to do something about it, start working on that one. And begin by doing simple things like reading paragraphs out loud. Take written text from anywhere and just start reading it out loud. And start inserting pauses into that literature. Use your intuition to figure out where to stop to take a natural break. And if that's not enough, use the punctuation to tell you where to stop. So a really good guide is that at the end of a sentence that ends with a full stop, an exclamation point, or something like a, a question mark, at the end of a sentence, you have a two-beat pause. A beat is exactly what we know it is, a beat. And a two-beat pause is one, two, right? So after a full stop, the end of a sentence, you have a two-beat pause. It sounds like this. This is my sentence, and now I'm finished with this sentence, one, two. Two. This is the beginning of my next sentence, and it is also finished. One, two. So you're inserting pauses, which slows you down. Commas are cool. Commas have a one-beat pause, usually. So it's a, it's a shorter pause compared to a, the two-beat pause. And this is really powerful when you're listing things, right? So let's say you're going grocery shopping and you have a grocery list. You're going to buy some fruits and vegetables. You're going to buy apples, mangoes, and oranges. Okay, And if you were saying this without beets, it would be apples, mangoes, oranges. But now you're going to put a beet in. Apples, beet, mangoes, beet, oranges, beet. When you do that, you give your words more space, air. 
and you slow yourself down. And guess what? The audience can hold on to what you're saying. It's fantastic. It's extremely powerful. This is how you would slow yourself down if you were given the feedback that you are speaking too fast. Let's say that your feedback buddy tells you that it looks like you're spending more time looking away at your PowerPoint slide, so turning around and we see your back, than connecting with the audience. So disrupt this. Do something about this. This is a big one, all right? This is really valuable feedback. It is not okay to spend more time turning away from your audience than turning towards them. It's about the audience. It's about you projecting and staying connected to them. It's not about you reading the slides. Have your laptop in front of you somehow. Rehearse so that you know what slides are coming next so you don't have to look back. All right? It's like amateur hour 101 when I see people speaking to their slides. It disconnects. It repels connection. It repels the message. And let me tell you, when you disconnect, guess what else happens? So does the audience. Yeah, that's when they take their smartphones out and start flicking through them, right? That's when they're tuning out and fantasizing about the dessert they're going to have later that day. Okay, so keep your audience connected to you by keeping yourself connected to them physically. Do not turn around if you can help it. This gets tricky when I work with CFOs because there's a lot of graphs and details and numbers and charts and, you know, that will involve some turning around. But make sure that the ratio is always more connection than disconnection. There are some ideas there, you know, that, that may be relevant to you. And I'm sure that there are a lot of other examples of things that your feedback buddies will tell you. But the point is that once you're told what you, you are doing that is not that great related to your speaking, it is then that you can jump in and start fixing stuff, start disrupting, start doing something differently now because you've identified or your buddy has identified what these things are. Now go do something about it. Again, don't overwhelm yourself. Don't say, okay, I've got to do all 10 of these things the next time I speak. Just do one thing at a time and say yes to every speaking opportunity that you get. So you have more time to implement this stuff, to try things out, to disrupt and to improve yourself, enhancing your speaking repertoire. Folks, if you feel called to disrupt how you speak in front of audiences, based on this podcast episode, based on your internal feeling about, mm, I, I just don't feel good after I'm talking. I'm underwhelmed. I know I could do better. My invitation to you is to do something about it, to disrupt, to go there, to make it happen. What are you waiting for? When you do this, when you activate like this, you are activating into leadership speaking because leadership speaking is all about a form of speaking that connects you to your audiences. There we are. I hope that you found this episode helpful and that somehow it will motivate and activate you into doing this important work. I always love that quotation of one drop of water does not make a waterfall, but many drops of water flowing together do. If more people were activating themselves to disrupt their own status quo for how they speak in front of audiences, we'd be seeing this epidemic of bad public speaking start to disappear. I invite you to get busy on yourself. And by doing that, I know that you're going to inspire other people to do this work because it's contagious in a good way. I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. 
where I'll unpack more juicy bits and pieces to help you in your leadership speaking. Thanks for listening. 